it's kind of like when you're raising capital, you get that market feedback of what the market thinks about your deal. Oh, well, that's too long of a timeline. I don't like that my money's tied up for eight years, or I don't really like that area. It's not a big enough metro market, or or I don't think that the cash flow is there with the rental rates. Like I don't think the value adds there, or whatever the market's telling you. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I'm your host, Yona Weiss. On this journey, we like to call a podcast. On board today, we got another awesome guest, Jennings Smith. You may have heard his cousin, Yaden, who was on the show a few weeks ago. If you like that, definitely you're going to love this because these two, you've maybe heard him referenced a few times during that episode with Yaden, but they're doing amazing things and just excited to have you here on the show. Jennings, how you doing? What's up, Yona? I'm I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on the show and it's it's super fun to to be here and chat and, and uh, swap stories. I'm excited equally to have you on the show. What what you and Jennings have accomplished over the past few years is is truly inspiring. For those of you who don't know and didn't listen to that episode and are all fresh and like, wow, Jennings Smith, I love that name. What has he got to offer? He is the co-founder of Live Oaks Rental Properties. So they are a multifamily investment company. You guys do a bunch of other things as well besides multifamily, but have grown that portfolio over the past few years to over 1,500 units. It's just incredible to see. And I'm uh, I'm just excited to have you on the show. Yeah, man. It's It's been a, a, a pretty pretty awesome journey. Yeah, we're, we're 500 self-storage units, around 1,000 apartment units. And then Yaden and I, between the two of us, we own about half of that because we have partners and we've syndicated some of that stuff. But about three or four years ago, I just decided... Hey, I've got to build some some assets and net worth and and I can't just keep on. I was in construction before that. So I just can't keep on trading time for money and I got to I got to get my my life on track with building some passive income and having some money when I'm 60 and I'm just broke. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you've built some other things along the way, right? I mean, you one thing that I know of is you've built this incredible community, uh the My First Million in Multifamily Facebook group, which I'm a part of. Very active group. If anyone's interested in learning about multifamily or getting involved in multifamily or getting into the other thing that you've built, which is the deal room, a kind of mentorship and and you know ma- mastermind group there that you guys have brought together, F- definitely check that out, guys. I would highly recommend anyone who's listening to this to check out the My First Million Multifamily Facebook group. Uh, but you've you've done some other things as well. I mean, I've definitely dabbled, seen some of your posts and seen some of the things you've been, some side businesses, some Amazon, some crypto. I'm just curious, you know, what sounds like you got, you got your hands in, in a lot of different things. Well, it's funny because I think something that held me back uh, was this identity crisis of I'm a builder, right? I'm a home builder. I'm a renovator. Everyone in my town knew me as that. My parents, my spouse, I'm, and and just how hard it was for me to shift that and to say, I'm going to do something different. And getting into real estate was eye-opening. And I don't want to do the same thing that I did, right? I don't want to be, oh, he's the multifamily guy or he's the apartment guy. I think that's fine for some people and and their personality. There's nothing wrong with that. But I have have kind of been thinking about this a lot lately. And 
I view myself as I'm an investor. So I'm always looking for investments and that can be investments in my my team, in my family, my wife, my children, investments in business, investments in relationship capital with other people. I'm starting another business right now with three other people that you know has nothing to do with with multifamily and we just launched a a cryptocurrency for uh the deal room deal token so oh, very cool i, I want to stay agile with that and but always be putting out my time energy resources and money and hopefully growing it so that i can bless other people and and benefit other people but yeah i want to be an investor and i also got to stay focused you know we we got to be careful not to go in too many directions at, at once. No, but it's important to make sure that you have a lot of options there. And I totally relate with that, that feeling of kind of being boxed in and people think of you as, as this thing or this person or that type of person. Whereas, you know, everyone is complex individuals and we, it doesn't matter if we're doing multiple things necessarily, but we're not necessarily just this thing or that guy or that girl who's, who's doing that that thing, but oftentimes we get defined by our job and by our, you know, who we are. People think, oh, I'm a doctor. I'm a multifamily investor. We're really, you know, we're people and multifaceted. And so we're family people. We're people who, you know, love relationships, love our kids. And so that should come out, you know, especially if we're, if we're religious people, we love God, we love, you know, the community. And these things all should come out and be able to, to be related. Oh, Yona or Jennings, he's that guy that, uh, you know, just a great guy. He's someone that is, you know, he's, he pays attention to detail. I don't know. He's, he's a very successful person, right? Or he's an entrepreneur, which can really mean so many different things. And I think when you, when you kind of limit yourself, you step on that, you know, different, or you, you close doors to opportunities really when they come about. So that's, that's how I see things. You know, I'm trying to be open when opportunities present themselves and, uh, and see where they go. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to the, the multifamily group, a lot of times things evolve that you don't even know are going to be there, right? I started that Facebook group initially just to try to attract deal flow and attract capital, right? I was trying to attract money. And eventually we had kind of more of that than we needed, right? It was a lot of people wanting to invest and a lot of deals at the time, right? When the market was not as expensive, <laughs> but it, it, it kind of dawned on me that hey, a lot of people can't just take a course and close multifamily, right? They need a community. They need a network. And so that led me to build the deal room and plug in and connect with people. And now it's a really, honestly, it's a big part of my life, a really big part of my life and, and a really cool business that Yaden and I have built. And it really wasn't even meant to be. Like it was just kind of an accident that evolved out of something that we were doing for a totally different purpose. So I think being open to that opportunity versus, oh, well, I don't want to be a guru or I'm not going to sell education or whatever, which I definitely felt that way. But to understand, hey, this this could be bigger than me. Like you could really change people's lives. You could really help people get out of the rat race, unlock their life and do something that is going to pay massive dividends for them and their kids and, and their communities there's a lot of people that are struggling. They're unhappy. They're just doing their job or their career because they feel like they don't have any other options and there's nothing else to do. And it's not really what they 
want to do. And it's not what God put them on this earth to do probably, but they feel stuck. And so once I start to frame it that way of, Hey, I've got something that, that for the right person could really help them. Um, and it would be wrong to, to sandbag, right. And to not try and not get uncomfortable, not put myself out there and build something that maybe could help people. Yeah, no, I can relate to that. And it probably came a lot just from listening to the community. Like you said, you started this group and people were probably asking all kinds of questions. And by doing the, the live things that you do every, every week, right? The Facebook lives where you're getting on, bringing a guest or just talking about different things. I'm sure you get a lot of interested people. How can we learn more? How can we, uh, you know, why don't we do this more often? Things like that. It just kind of opens up the opportunity. Exactly. And then it, it was like a necessity, right? Because I can't sit there and talk to you for 10 hours straight about the basics of how to do a deal. But if I recorded it, then that could, that could help you. And then was almost born out of frustration because a lot of people would connect with me and I'd jump on the phone and I'd have a call and I'd pour my heart out on what they needed to do or what would help them. And they'd be like, Oh, that's great. And then they would do nothing, <laughs> you know? And they would call me a month later and they would, they wouldn't have done the first thing I told them to do. And so I realized, okay, to really help people, you've got to have a barrier to entry. You've got to know these people are serious. They're going to dedicate time and effort. And one of the requirements we have is you need to already own multifamily or own a business or have some experience in that regard so that I know that you're probably going to succeed. You know how to get things done because there's a large demographic of people that talk, but they really never achieve. And so we don't do the work. And I don't want that in my group pretty much. No, it's important to have like-minded people, but you're absolutely right. If a person is serious, first of all, there's a monetary commitment that makes it very, makes it more serious where you have to actually pay to be part of this group, pay, pay to be part of this club. And for a lot of people, that's a motivation, right? You're spending harder money. You're not just going to waste it and throw it out. For most people, that's not the case. But for other people, you have to know that they are willing to do the work that it takes to, to do that. I mean, it's not, it's not easy. It's not passive. No real estate investing is passive. Even if you are, you know, just investing passively like an LP, that's not so passive sometimes, <laughs> you know, you got to do some, some work. You got to do some due diligence. You got to find out who these sponsors are. What's the deal really like, et cetera. But once you want to get into a real deal and, and be a asset manager or be involved in the capital raising or whatever it is, there's a lot of work. You, gonna, you need a little bit of a track record to do that. So I totally relate. I totally get that. Have you found any like any challenges in doing that, in, uh, in creating this group and running it? Well, I'll say, you know, we, we get better as we do stuff. And the only way to get better is to do something not so good. <laughs> and I'm sure if you go back and listen to your first podcast episode, they weren't as good as they are now. Right. And, um, and they'll be better in the future, hopefully. And so you'll get better guests than me. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you're, you're already the future. You're the better guests already. <laughs> when we started, I would say it wasn't, it wasn't super structured, right? We, we did a, a live underwriting call and we gave you some tools and that was pretty much it. And it was cool and it worked for some people, but it did not have the effect that I wanted it to, where we were really getting people to hit it out of the park. And so over time, what we did was one, we, we elevated the standard of the people that could get in. And then two, we implemented these deal sprints. And so you got assigned to an accountability partner of 
sort. So yeah, just, just two people together, maybe three and over six, eight weeks, you would lay out a goal and work towards that goal. And that worked better, but it still wasn't great. And because a lot of times one or the other partner would flake out and then the, 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 the little accountability group would die. And so the next evolution was larger groups, groups of six to eight, maybe 10 people. So that if a few flaked out, there was still the nucleus there. And then the, the latest iteration is with a sprint leader. So we have a designated leader for each group. You're in a group of eight to 10 people you can network with. And we have a live leaderboard of like, how many letters of intent have you submitted? How many deals have you underwritten? How many offers, you know, have you gotten accepted, gone under contract? How much soft commitment of capital have you raised? And it gets updated every five minutes. And wow. so over the course of six weeks, if you hit certain metrics, you get prizes, gear and hats, and then the top winners get cash prizes. And it's, it's incentivized that competition, accountability, networking, really getting to know eight to 10 people every six weeks. And I mean, the results have just gone through the roof. You know, I'm posting multiple deals every week that are going under contract out of the deal room, which is, I mean, it's awesome. And, you know, people pay 20, 30, $40,000 for mentorship programs that don't achieve the results that we get. So I, I'm, proud of that. I'm very proud of that. That's incredible. And to, it's something, like you said, they kind of grew out of the community and, and has taken on many iterations. Who knows what the next stage is going to be, but it sounds like if you've come this far, you're, you're certainly going to, going to go further because you're going to have more demand. That's for sure. When people start to see and others, right. And they tell their friends or they tell other people what this is about and how successful, you know, things have been accomplished through this platform. It's going to grow. I mean, I guarantee you, I, I can't imagine oh, yeah. not. It's, it is. And it, I mean, it, we limit it to 15 people a month and it sells out every month and it's already, the demand is outstripping because I don't want to grow it too big and lose what I have. So, but the people will tell you what they want. It's kind of like when you're raising capital, you get that market feedback of what the market thinks about your deal. Oh, mm -hmm. well, that's too long of a timeline. I don't like that. My money's tied up for eight years, or I don't really like that area. It's not a big enough metro market or or I don't think that the cash flow is there with the rental rates. Like I don't think the value adds there or whatever the market's telling you. And some people, everyone has their own opinions, but but if you tailor it to what the market wants and you have that right product fit, it's going to it's going to do well. And that's sort of how I've felt with my deals is I want to close really, really good deals so that it's it's pretty easy to raise that money. You know, right. I can just talk to some people and they're like, oh yeah. <laughs> That's a no brainer. That sounds great. Um, and I don't want to try and give away as little as possible. I'm more looking for like, what are the deals where it's like, I can give away just an un undeniably good offer and fill up that deal, oversubscribe quickly and, and move on because it does suck to struggle with, with a capital raise, you know, as you know, I'm sure. Of course. It's it's always a struggle, but if if the more deals, the more good deals you have, and the you know the more relationships you build, and the more trust you get from the investors by just seeing the results, that's really the results are going to speak more, you know, for themselves than anything else along the way. Yeah, I want to ask you about that accountability group, and you're saying you know have some people that maybe were flaking out a little. What do you think you know can prevent that? If you know if someone's coming to join up and wanting to be a part of a group and wanting to make something happen? You know, is it just people's lives getting in the way, you know, time or they're just not committed? Like, how would you recommend people kind of to, to be committed and to, you know, be, have, be accountable? 
So I think a lot of it was a poor framework. You know, people, especially when they're on a, a, a new frontier, they're learning something a little scary. They want to be led. And so if we can lead in a better like say, okay, here's the designated leader. He or she is going to pick the time that we're going to meet. They're going to pick, okay, everybody jump on this Zoom call at Tuesday. We're like, does that work for everybody? Yes. Okay. And setting that up, just the mechanics of it really helped people to engage and and take away that friction, right? So that's all we're trying to do is just take away friction to make it easy as possible for people to do the, the things that they say that they want to do, right? To keep the promises to themselves. And so for me, when I'm leading my sprint group, I'll just say, what's the one thing that you can commit to that you're going to do this week that you can keep that promise to yourself? Because don't tell me you're, you know, you're going to underwrite five deals and you're going to make three offers. And you're going to connect with two new brokers and you're going to raise a million dollars. Like, it's just tell me, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to send out two letters of intent. I'm going to send out two offers. I can do that. Or I'm going to underwrite one deal, or I'm going to call one broker, or I'm going to write down my list of people in my phone that might be interested in investing. I'm just going to do that. And and building on that momentum of, I'm a person that keeps promises to myself. If I tell myself I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. If I tell myself I'm going to create a podcast and consistently produce it every week, I'm going to do it. And over time, it becomes a habit and it becomes easy. But in the beginning, it's really easy to break that promise. And oh yeah, I tried doing a podcast for a while and it just didn't work out. And you know, I, I quit after 10 episodes, you know, so that is, I think the, the biggest thing, and then setting the expectation of this is a six week sprint. I need you to show up every week. If you can't then put it in the chat, like an update for the week. But if you can't commit to being here every time and you're not going to let us know, then you need to drop out and do the next sprint. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to judge you because we all get busy and there's times of our life where it just doesn't work out, but keeping the promises, right? You sign up, you said you want to do the sprint. I need you to do the sprint for your sake so that you're keeping the promise to yourself and you're building confidence versus, yeah, this is another thing I said I was going to do and I'd flaked out on it. You're absolutely right. So a lot of it's about building habits too. Like you said, doing things that are difficult, you know, that's how you're going to grow and it's going to take time to set in. But if you make that mental commitment and you have that mindset that you want to grow, you want to do this thing, I think that's really where it starts, right? It's 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 in the mind. You have to make that mental commitment and then just keep the promises to yourself. Like you said, taking on too much is never a good idea, right? Taking on too many things at once is never a good idea. But if you can commit to one small thing, you're likely going to do more because that one small thing may seem like a mountain right now, but once you conquer it, it's like a molehill. It really is. And it's a lot of it's in our, in our head. That's really good advice. You hit the nail on the head with the wanting it because everybody will say they want the result, right? I want to have a thousand units. I want to have a a podcast with hundreds of thousands of downloads every week. I want to have passive income of, you know, a hundred grand a month, whatever you want, but they really don't, you know, like the, the, there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect. Your actions and your habits are an unflinching mirror. Like uh, your results are an unflinching mirror of you. And so if you want that and then you see, whoa, I'm going to have to call that many investors. I'm going to have to call that many brokers. I'm going to have to do this and do this and network and invest this money and travel these conferences and all this stuff I've got to do. You know what? Netflix on the couch looks pretty good, right? It's like, I don't really want that. I'm just going to, I'm going to be good with making $70,000 a year getting by. I don't, I don't want that. But when, but I think that they're misjudging the the cost of that long-term, you know, of, of, 
sacrificing their time because they're not going to ever have time freedom, money freedom. Let me pick up and go on vacation with the family. Let me help my son or daughter start a business. Let me bail out my parents because they ran out of money in retirement and I, and I got to be there to help them and I can stand in the gap and do that. That's the cost that's going to be there. The cost of being comfortable for the first 20, 30 years and not getting out there and doing whatever it takes to achieve those goals. Love that. And you're absolutely right. Everyone's goals are different, but the, the foundation is the same. The principles are the same. And if you want to have that success, whatever it is that you define in your mind as that, you, you have to commit. You have to really commit to making a difference and changing and getting out of the, you know, if you're in the rat race, getting out of that. If you're in, you know, a place where you don't want to be, where you're not going to be able to commit to those goals or, or get to them from where you are now, you got to change. You got to move. You got to get out of where you are. Maybe it's your environment. Maybe it's the, the people that are around you that are giving you negative feedback and, you know, saying, oh, I have this goal. I want to do this. And other people saying, no, well, you, you really can't do that. There's so much that we can learn from, you know, from this, this episode, you know, people like you who are, who are making that difference and, you know, telling other people, teaching other people, this can be done. I think it's pretty awesome. Absolutely. I want to transition to now what we call the final four Jennings. These are four questions I ask all my guests. First question to you is what is the worst job that you ever had? I would say the worst job I ever had was of my own creation, you know, owning my, owning my own small construction company. And I was able to change that. But for many, many years, you know, I was the crew leader. I was laboring alongside, you know, we, and we would build houses ground up, framing them. We would do renovations and we're, we're it. We're, we're doing everything we possibly could and only subbing out the things that like we just didn't know how to do, like the HVAC or electrical or something. And yeah, I mean, crawl spaces. I did a lot. I spent a lot of time in crawl spaces, you know, under damp, gross houses, moldy in the heat in South Carolina, insulation falling in your face. You're trying to tear out rotten beams and, you know, lift houses up with, with jacks and dangerous, dirty, not fun. And beyond that, dealing with emotional homeowners, right? Where when you're building a, like a spec home, if they don't like the product, they don't have to buy the product. But when I'm renovating your house or building a custom home on your land, if you don't like it, whether it's valid or not, I have to fix it, right? I'm kind of beholden to your opinion and scope of work. And a lot of times that's just not clearly defined, the budgets. And so it was, it was something that I, I did end up getting a handle on it. I joined a franchise. They had a lot better processes and systems that helped me run that company much, much better. But for many, many years, but it, I mean, it built grit in me. I made a decent living doing it and I don't regret it. It worked for me, but I would say, yeah, that was a, um, I definitely earned my money in those days. <laughs> you learn, you know, learn the hard way when you're running your own business, for sure. And especially when you're talking about that type of gritty work, I think contractors in general get, get a bad rap and <laughs> get, get a, there's a, they have a, maybe for good reason, but a lot of them have a, have a bad name out there. But it's it's pretty. It's a difficult business to keep on track. Yeah. You know, you're dealing with fluctuating prices and and subcontractors and a demographic of people that can be difficult to deal with. You know, right? Because nobody wants like aspires like I'm going to be a sheetrock installer. I'm going to grow up to be you know <laughs> a, a, a landscape. I'm going to install sod. I mean, like you're you're kind of getting entry level or 
sometimes people that have made bad decisions, <laughs> uh, <right>. there, you <laughs> know, what you're working with. So it's, it's hard. Um, uh -huh. it's a hard business. I hear that. No, absolutely. Well, good for you for learning, learning that and getting out while you could. <laughs> um, second question for you is what is a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? So I want to say one, um, because it really has, I've come back to it a lot um, with what I'm doing and with relationships with my kids, raising capital, uh, Flip the Script by Oren Claff. It's, it's no. just a really good, I mean, he stitches all these stories together to illustrate points that are so effective with human psychology. And he has a deep understanding of how humans think, how our brain processes information and how they're like, just, just, you can wire thoughts and, and, and change people's opinions and, and make them think that your idea is their idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was a really game-changing book for me. Really enjoyed that. Flip the Script by Oren Claff. I would say Die With Zero as far as like a paradigm shift. Die With Zero, it goes against the, the, the American culture of you've got to amass millions and millions of dollars mm -hmm. for retirement. And it really looked into the data behind that. And most of the time we have way too much and the utility of money is decreasing with every day that passes. So, and we know this instinctually, like if you had $5 million today versus $5 million when you're 75, it's mm -hmm. a heck of a lot more valuable to you now. Right. I mean, I would even take $2 million, $1 million today than, uh, than 5 million when I'm 75. I would, because I know what I could do with it and, and the lifestyle that I could create with that. And yet these people are, you know, they're delaying doing the things that they want to do. They, they want to go to Europe. They want to go to Disney World with the kids. They want to buy that car that they've always wanted to. And they're not because of this fear of not having enough. And really, when you look at the data of what we spend and, and how retirement actually goes, it just isn't true. And mm -hmm. so the, the, the premise of the book is die with zero, die at zero. And so whether that means spending it on things that is important to you or giving it away while you're still living and you can see it, the benefit of it in the trust charities, you know, your children, grandchildren, however. And I, I think it was a really cool book on leaving a legacy versus, yeah, I've got this 401k uh, with $10 million in it or whatever. And yet I, I was a penny pinching miser and I never, you know, went anywhere because I was afraid. Right. Absolutely. No, that's, that's a huge, huge mindset change. We'll definitely put both of those in the show notes for our guests, our listeners to, uh, to check both of those. I highly encourage everyone to check both those books out. Third question to you, Jennings, what's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? So would this be anything, anything whatsoever? Okay. You know what? I'm going to go a little personal with you. There's this sport and it's called paramotoring. So it's like a powered parachute. So if you've seen those guys like kite surfing, you know, they have the, mm -hmm. the wing and it's essentially that it's a wing and, the, and you've got a, what looks like a big fan strapped to your back and a fan with like a kind of a seat. And these guys just like, they run on a field and, and, and as the fan pushes them forward, the wing creates lift and you can fly, you can fly around. And if the fan dies or runs out of gas, you can still just kind of parachute down because you got a parachute on. Um, it looks awesome. I mean, I, even as a kid, I always thought it would be, it would be cool to, to do that. Um, and so I broached this subject with my, my wife and she was not a fan of this idea. <laughs> uh, 
maybe because Surprise. I four, yeah, <laughs> I got four kids under the age of 10 and a wife and I'm like, babe, I mean, I got life insurance I and mean, come on, but she, she does she's like when the kids are grown, you can, you can do that. But that is a skill that I would like to, to do. So there's a school down in Florida. I can go for a 14 day training, get certified in it. Not like I've thought about this at all, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that would be a skill or a talent that I'd want to acquire is learn how to become a paramotor pilot. That's pretty cool. That is interesting. I've never heard of that. It sounds, sounds like something that, that most wives would uh, be opposed to, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's something that, uh, you know, good for you. You know, gotta, gotta ha- have some adventure in your life. Yeah. She knew I was crazy when she married me. So, you know, <laughs> we're all crazy in, in our own way. So it's just about knowing that or not. Fourth and final question. What does success mean to you? I would think that where I'm, what I'm working through right now, success is living a, a disciplined life, you know, living a disciplined life where I, I am keeping those promises to myself and I can turn my mind towards any problem and, and I can, I can achieve it. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to be weak. And as we grow, that's something that still remains challenging to me is that, that, that mental power, right? I think that's everything where you can, you can train your brain, you can train your thoughts, you can, you can reject the fear, you can audit those thoughts and generate a new emotion, whatever circumstance comes across you. So I feel like as I move closer to the mastery of that complete, I don't know if that's even possible, but com- control of my thoughts and emotions around the circumstances and the ability to interpret them in the manner that I want to versus my lizard brain or baser emotions saying, oh my gosh, this is the end of the world, sky's falling, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's something that we can remember right now. I mean, I don't know when your listeners will be listening to this, but you know, it's July and the Fed's about to come out with another rate raise and everyone's scared about recession looming and Maybe recession will come. Maybe it won't. I, you know, and and if it does, who knows how bad it will be or won't be. And so, understanding that and and retraining your brain around, well, what's what's good about a recession coming? What's good about a rate raise? What's good about inflation? And and how can I rewrite the script and story around me? And so, I have gotten better at that as I go through these cycles because we always go through these cycles of circumstances that we interpret as bad or difficult or whatever and flipping the script on those so that you can you can take the appropriate action and get the results that you want versus feeding into this fear and getting the results that you don't want yeah that's awesome that's such an incredible perspective you know i, I don't think people take enough time to even think that through and to understand how you know how they you know, are able to approach it because you know, we're bombarded all the time with what other people think and and what the media and what the news and what our friends and you know even social media. It's just there's so much noise out there to really take the time, like you're saying, and to understand things on your own level, your own perspective, and really you know dictate your life on that level. That's you know it's really what we all need to do. So I appreciate that that perspective, that definition. And finally, where can our listeners find you or reach out to you? We already mentioned the Facebook group, so we'll put that in the notes, but. But where where else or how else? Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'd love for them to if you, if they're into podcasts, listening to podcasts, unlock your life on all podcast platforms, Apple, Stitcher, all that, and then Instagram. My name Jennings Foster Smith Jr. and I'm also on Facebook Jennings Smith. But my first million in multifamily is a great place. And shoot me a DM. 
you know, I, 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 I respond, I try to engage with that and happy to connect with you, help you point you in the right direction. So don't be afraid to, to reach out to me. Awesome. Well, we will make sure to put that in the show notes and I hope everyone takes you up on that suggestion and reaches out and you get bombarded on your, in your inbox with all these amazing listeners to the Weiss Advice podcast. Thank you again for taking the time out today. It's been, been a pleasure. It's just great catching up and great to, to hear more of your backstory. Yeah, Yona, thank you, man. And thanks for all the great work you've done on our properties with the cost seg studies. And I, I appreciate that, man. You saved me a, a lot of money on, on taxes. <laughs> That's my pleasure. And thank you guys, your listeners, for tuning in once again. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.